0: Morning, everybody. Jason Connor, lead pastor, of Portico Church, Arlington, worshiping with you this Sunday morning. I'm so excited to be with you. I know you're probably sitting there in your pajamas. That's okay. We are still going to worship together. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 11, and understanding what it means that Jesus is risen to our lives today. Let me ask you a question, How do you worship a God who allows things like COVID-19 to happen? Now, if you haven't asked that question to yourself or to somebody else, your heart's asked it. What does it sound like when your heart asks that question? Well, it sounds a lot like the disciples who were in the boat with Jesus crossing over to the shore, another shore of the lake, and Jesus is sleeping. And a storm crops up, a squall line hits the boat, and the winds and the waves are swamping this boat, meaning the water's coming inside. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 22 and beyond, it says that they were in danger. They were in real danger, and Jesus is sleeping. And what they say is, we are perishing. That's another way of saying, how, how, how is it that we're in this boat with you and this is happening? Where are you? Where's God in this? Of course, you know how the story ends. Jesus comes to, he rebukes the wind and the waves, they stop, ask the disciples, where's your faith? The disciples ask themselves, say to themselves, who is this one? Who is this man whom the wind and the waves obey? He commands them, who is this? Friends, maybe that's a better question. In the midst of what we're walking through, who is this God we worship? Who overcomes death is the risen king. Because when we are powerless, like those disciples in the boat, because they could do nothing, they're in this boat, they're in the middle of the lake, the wind, the waves, they're gonna sink. They, they can do nothing. When we are powerless, we respond like they did. We panic, we are perishing. What does that look like in our lives? Bad relationships. We bite and devour one another. It looks like panic. It looks like focusing on our circumstances. It looks like getting in a screaming match in Costco because somebody took the last roll of toilet paper, right? We hoard. This is what panic looks like. This is how we respond when we see ourselves as powerless. Friends, we are good about talking about the death of Jesus, and that's great. We learned a lot about that in the last several weeks. But do you know it doesn't stop there? Easter isn't the only time we celebrate the resurrection. In fact, as the text will tell us today, because Jesus is risen, you have new power. In fact, in this resurrection, you are also raised to new power. And that changes how you think, how you talk, how you live. And especially how you endure times of trial, of sickness, times when you yourself are powerless. So let's go to the text and think about how you respond when you don't have power. How do you respond to that? Right, we're gonna be in chapter six, Romans chapter six, verses four through 11. I want you to focus on the very first part here, verses four and five, especially verse four, because it's the heart of the text here. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, We are people who truly imagined ourselves to be powerful and are now understanding we are not. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, as we humble ourselves before you this morning, as we open up your word, would you please, in your mercy, open it up for us that we might behold its beauty and its treasure, and that as we look into your word, it looks deeply into us, making us worshipers, making us followers, and making us powerful in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, this resurrection, this resurrection, raises you to a new power. If you surrender yourself to Christ, like we talked about last Easter, right? If you find in yourself no ability to save yourself, if you understand yourself separated from, if you understand that and you surrender yourself, if you walk in faith, this resurrection raises you to a new power. We're going to look at that in three different ways. One, it gives you a new life. You have new life. This is what scripture calls being born again. Secondly, you have new love. So this life that God gives you comes with new desires, new longings, new love. And lastly, you have a new ability. This power gives you ability to live in a way that you've never lived before. So life, love, and ability. We're going to walk through that together as we understand how this resurrection raises us to a new power. Now, first we want to understand what it means to have a new life. I want you to think in past tense first because the text does that. It says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism in death. So, there's this idea that the death of Jesus first and foremost does something to us past tense. Jesus was executed for us in faith. We are placing our trust in him And that deals with our guilt. So I want you to think of the past tense here. What has happened with Christ in his death on that cross, that has dealt with the guilt of our sin. Yes, we've learned this over the last several weeks. Um, It releases us from the penalty of sin. He's taken on our curse. It releases us from the power of sin. No longer has any hold on us. And since we are justified by faith, meaning it's not our work, it's his work that he gives to us, we have a real enduring peace that lasts with God. We are reconciled to God. This is what we're so good at understanding, we hope, through the death of Jesus. That is past tense, but it does not stop there. A Conscience that's unburdened by guilt is good, but it is not enough. There's a present tense that happens in the gospel that is wrapped up in the resurrection because the resurrection doesn't end. Christ is still raised and seated at the right hand of the Father in command right now. So the resurrection goes on. So we want to understand that. What's the present tense of the resurrection? Well, the text says that we might walk in newness of life. So we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk present tense in newness of life. Now, if the death of Jesus, if the atonement, if his sacrifice deals with our guilt, well then think about the resurrection dealing with the pollution of our sin. One is justification. Yes, as death justifies us, just as if I'd never sinned before, I'd positionally right with God. The resurrection not only validates that, but sanctifies me, makes a clean, definitive break from sin, gives me new life, allows me to walk in this righteousness that He has given to me, helps me to love what God loves. This is where the internal change takes place, where sin is sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently pulled out by the Spirit of God, and we wrestle with this. Now, we're not on our own. You know that it's not like, Jesus saved me, now it's up to me to, to figure out how to live. No, no. The power of God still resides. His resurrection, right, is how we walk in newness of life dealing with the pollution of sin in our life. That is sanctification. That is ongoing. That is part of new life. So if the justification of God, if if the death of Jesus makes me feel unburdened in my my conscience, if it removes guilt, what does the resurrection do? It makes me feel alive. I just wanna tell you that. It makes me feel like I can. It makes me feel like I can love. I can walk the road God has put before me. So that is how the resurrection should make us feel this is new life. Um, And just just pause on that. It's it's passive, friend. I need need to read this to you. Just so that we don't imagine that God did something for us to get us started and then we finish it. Um, In 1 Peter uh, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 3, he says, we have been born again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Did you hear that? God has caused us to be born again. This is without your permission. This is moving you from death to life that you might respond with your new life that he's given you. And we respond in faith and have salvation. This should feel like life to you. Um, I like to camp. I yeah, haven't done it for a while. And do you remember that other world we used to live in we could go outside? Well, I used to like to do that. I remember camping years ago with one of my friends, and I'm just gonna try to say this nicely. Uh, he was not much of an outdoorsman. So he spent most of his days on a computer in a basement somewhere. Uh, probably in some government facility, and he was really good at what he did. But he wanted to camp, so we all went camping together with some friends, and he'd never, I don't think he'd ever been before, quite frankly. So there's like, you know, campfires and lying and all the things that hap- happen around a campfire. And he wanted to be a part of that. So I'm like, you know what, go cut some wood. He's like, what do you mean cut some wood? I'm like, well, you have to burn wood in a campfire. So he takes this axe that he'd never used before, and he just, I see him walk off into the woods for a couple hours. And I hear him just swinging away. and He comes back, you know, shirt off like Lord of the Flies, like a bandana around his head. Not big. And, he, and he's just like, I've, he literally said, I've never felt so alive in my life. I'm like, just because you cut wood. Um, friends, you have got to understand the power of God. It should make you feel alive. But you're not going to experience it if you sit on your butt and don't do anything. If we're limiting our action in life to what we can do, you're not gonna feel the power that the resurrection gives you. See, God has caused you to be born again. He has given you a new life. He's covered your sin. He's removed guilt from your conscience. He's given you the ability to walk the life He's given you. So we are raised to a new power in the resurrection first in this, and this is so good. He's given you a new life. Second, He's given you a new love. So every life revolves around or orbits around the things that they love, yes? Um, Here's what culture will tell you. Culture is going to tell you today, right now, here's the only power you have. Here's how you have power in life. You look deep within your life. You look deep within yourself and you find what you truly love and you desire. And then you follow, your, you follow your heart and you boldly live out those desires and thereby you build an identity that is uniquely you. That is the only power you have. We can't even do that anymore, can we? Not to mention that is not true power because that depends entirely on your fleeting emotions. Here's what resurrection power says. It's a different story. The resurrection says come and die with me. Look inside. Look deep inside and realize you don't have the moral capital to stand before God. We are all sinners. So come and die with me. Be baptized into my death. This is what, this is what the resurrection power says to us. Die with me and I will give you a new heart and find your identity, find your righteousness, find your power, find your purpose in me. This is what the gospel says. This is how a new life begins to execute new love. God gives us a new heart. Let me take you to Ezekiel chapter 36. Uh, always going to the Old Testament because Jesus fulfills everything that was promised there. And here's a big fulfillment. Here's a big promise that God makes to us. This is Ezekiel 36, verse 26, talking about a new heart. He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. This is the idea that God, in giving us new life, gives us a new heart, a heart that resonates to what God loves, that resonates to God himself. Friends, you can change your behavior all you want, but what you can't change is your nature. You cannot forge a new heart. Only God can do that, and he does it through the resurrection. He does it through new life life. He gives you a new heart. If you are in Christ, you have felt this. You have felt this. If you are not in Christ, I beg you to feel this. Trust in Jesus. He will give you a new heart. So what are a few things that the new heart does? Well, a new heart has new longings, yes? So let me walk through a few of the longings that this new Spirit-born heart executed in the resurrection of Jesus gives you. What does this feel like? Well, first and foremost, you have a longing for God's Word. Like Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, the, the Word of God starts becoming like food to you. Now, most of us really love food, right? I do. I don't go a day without eating unless I'm fasting, and then even then that's really hard. So, think about how much attraction, how dependent we are on food. So, one of the new longings of this new heart that God has given you in this new life that He's given you, that He's validated through the resurrection, is you have an affection for the Word of God, just like food. Uh, Secondly, you love good works. You've heard this in Ephesians 2.10, yes? We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He has prepared beforehand, That we should walk in them, walking in newness of life. So this new heart creates a new longing that you would do good, that you would bless others, not because you're earning God's favor, but because you have it, because it can't be taken away, because you're overwhelmed by this God who loves you to the point that he gives you everything new life and a new love. So you long to see other people blessed and to do good works. uh, Well, thirdly, what's another longing uh, that God, this new heart that God has given us? Um, I would say a love for God's people. You just love the church. You just love His kids. You see this. And, and, And the church is just a big, raggedy group of people that have been swept up by God, and, and given new life together, and you love them. First John says that. We know, I think it's 1 John 3, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers, we love the saints, we love those who are at the foot of the cross with us. So that's a longing that your heart has. And lastly, you just long to please God. In your heart of hearts, you are no longer on the throne of your own heart. You are no longer the captain. You trust God. You love him, you want to please God, not so that we, he would save you, but because he has, because he has made you his child by his work. That is a new love and you love him. First Peter, again, makes a good understanding of this, where he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Right? this happens in this new heart. You have a new love. Um, and this all happens by the Spirit of God. Is that a shock? This all happens by the Spirit of God. In fact, that word newness, walk in newness of life, you only see, it's a weird word in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, you only see it twice. And the other place that's used in Romans 7, it's really connected to the Spirit of God. So there is no new life without the Spirit of God. So this new love is from a new heart, it creates new longings in your life. And it's the risen Jesus who's poured out the Spirit of God into your life that makes it possible for you to walk in newness. Um, Let me just read Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 11, because it's a great summation of what I just said in regards to the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, yes, dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So, new life, new love, risen Jesus, fellowship with His Spirit. In the resurrection, you are raised to a new power. So, what's all this moving towards? You have a new power. You have a new ability. You can do things you've never been able to do before. Um, so in this stay-at-home order, we are around a lot of people that we live with or we have lived with, but we've never really been around as much as we've been around them. Can we just say that? Um, and if you've had a roommate before, if you're living with a roommate, with which most of you are, or maybe married, well, let's just think about a roommate for a minute. Um, when, you, when you have a housemate or you have housemates, one of two things happens. If you have a housemate, either you, you, um, you get so irritated by them, you, you say to yourself, you make this vow, I will never be like them. In fact, I'm going to be around them as little as possible. That happens sometimes, unfortunately. Or secondly, and here's what you hope happens, right, if you choose well. You really like this person, you really like this this housemate, you know, they're different than you, but you respect them. And this is what will happen. They start to influence you. Yes? I've seen this happen before. I'm like, hey, I didn't know you listened to country music. Oh, I didn't know I listened to country music either. I guess it's my roommate because he's always playing country music and said, I guess I like it. You get influenced by the relationships that are closest to you. This happens. It's normal. Sometimes people even change how they dress, how they look, how they talk. I've seen that happen before, too. simple fact of the matter is you're influenced by the people that you're in residence with. Now, why do I say that? Well, because as we just understood, this new life, this resurrection life that comes to us, this new love that comes, the resurrection of Jesus, it is empowered by the Holy Spirit period. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. He is the life giver. He breathes life into you. He takes up residence. So, one of two things is happening in your life. And just just so we understand who the Holy Spirit is, God the Holy Spirit, fully God, and he is the power and the presence of God. In your life. So, I just want to tell you this right now. The Spirit of God means to do two things, at least, in your life. One is to influence you and to change you, and also to empower you. These are things that the Spirit of God does to you. So, if we understood that to be in Christ, to be walking in faith, to actually walk in this newness of life that this text is telling us, requires you to be influenced by the One, capital O, who has taken up residence in your life. That is God, the Holy Spirit, that He dwells in you, that He dwells among us as God's people. So that the presence of power and the power of God, this is key to you walking in newness of life, friend. You have to understand, you have to be willing to be influenced, to live under the influence of the Spirit of God, to allow Him to empower you, to take a step of faith that you cannot do on your own, but you are not afraid. Even though you're in the boat that's sinking, you're not afraid because Jesus says, trust me. And instead of screaming over and over and over, we are perishing, which is normal, you pause yourself under the influence of the Spirit of God and say, well, wait a minute, who is this? Oh, He's the risen King. Who is this that commands my circumstances? He is the risen King. He's the one that has purchased my salvation. He's the one whose blood has purchased me. He's the one whose resurrection has empowered me to live to His glory. That is what the Spirit of God is up to in your life. He's taken up residence in your life. So, what does that that influence feel like? Well, let's just look at the text. Two things happen in the text. Um, We are buried, therefore, by baptism into death, right? The body of sin is brought to death. So that just as Christ was raised by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So two things the Holy Spirit will do. Help you put to death that in your life, that which is death, sin, and help you live to God. Help you to live in holiness. Help you to walk in the road God has given you in faith. So it's life and death. This is, the Holy Spirit always brings life and death before you. Life in God, death, kill it. Always, 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 always. Death to sin, Live to God. Now, what could that be? Well, listen, friend, I don't have a time today to go through all the fruits of the Spirit. I don't. There's a lot of things the Spirit of God will um, cause you to do or influence you to do or empower you to do. So many things. But I can give you somewhere to go to read it. Galatians 5 is a great list of what you should put to death and also the fruits of the Spirit. What you should what you'd live to God into. What you should actually strive to see in your life not in your own power, but by God's power because he calls you to it. So go, go read Galatians chapter five. It's a great understanding of that. Um, but here's one, I'll give you one. Kindness, that's a fruit of the spirit. So if you wanna walk in kindness, if you wanna walk in newness of life, you have to put away sarcasm, bitterness, self-centered assertion, taking shots at people behind their back, Stop worrying so much about what you need and start worrying about what other people's need. That's just one. That's kindness. That's kindness. So go see the rest of them. The Holy Spirit wants you to walk in this ability and he will empower you. He will influence you to God's purposes in your life. This resurrection raises you to a new power, friend. Own it. God gives you a new life. Destroys sin, gives you life in Him, the ability to walk the road, walk in hope. He gives this to you, he gives you a new life. He gives you a new love with new longings, empowered by the Spirit, and He gives you a new ability. Where are you feeling powerless right now, today? Where? Where are you feeling powerless? I'm going to tell you right now, that's where God wants to meet you today. Well, what do you mean? Where are you saying, I can't? Where are you going to say, we're perishing? It's over. Where are you saying, I can't? That's where God wants to meet you today. Hey, it might be in that relationship with that person that's sitting on the couch with you. Well, I can't ask for forgiveness. They don't deserve it. Yes, you can. right? Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do it. The spirit, you're not on your own. The spirit of God is, is a partner with you, leading you, empowering you. Take a chance on God. He's overcome death. I think he can handle this. All right? Walk with him in this. Where are you saying I can't? I can't do her and do another week of this. You can. you can. You can walk in newness of life. You can do that. I can't continue to look for a new job. I can't continue to um, ask people for help. Listen, God many times meets your needs, not just by strengthening you internally, but he sends people to you. You can do this. Trust him. So think about where you're saying, I can't. Drop the T, and it's I can't. Why? Because this resurrection has raised you to a new power. It's not your power. It's His. So act on it. Act on it. This is the call of God in Christ for you and for me today. Let's act on that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that you haven't left us. We thank you that you are risen that you are on station at the right hand of the Father interceding. Help us as a church to bring you into our I can't, that we might not say we are perishing, but we might understand who is this who commands our circumstances. He is the risen Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.